Welcome to the Taking the Leap podcast, where you can learn how to launch your full-time career in this part-time gig economy. No matter what career you're in, you have the potential to be the best version of you and overcome whatever obstacles stand in your way. And now, here's your host, the CEO of Bonvera, Bob Dickey. Welcome back to Taking the Leap podcast. I am your host, Bob Dickey. And this morning, I have the distinct honor of welcoming our guest, Kelly Fletcher, to the program. Kelly's got an incredible background. I've worked with her for many years, uh, not only here at Bonvera, but also in my previous role with Crown Financial Ministries. And Kelly has quite the impressive background. She is a graduate of Meredith College out of North Carolina. She has degrees in vocal performance and in communications. And in a few minutes, we'll hear about how she had an incredible time on Broadway up in New York for many years. And the great work that she did there. She started her career working with a multitude of various agencies and started her own company at the age of 40. Something else that folks may not know is that Miss Fletcher is also the former Miss North Carolina and participated in the Miss USA pageant. And Kelly now not only runs a great marketing firm, but she specializes in reaching a female audience and communicating with female audiences around the globe. And so she's hired by great companies to to reach female entrepreneurs and female customers. And Kelly, you have done just such a fabulous job with us working with me over the last number of years and just greatly appreciate your friendship and your leadership. Always enjoy my daughters getting around you and getting inspired uh, and learning from you. So thank you so much for being on the, the program this morning. It's great to be here, Bob. Thank you so much. I've got to correct you on one thing. Yes. I never got a Broadway show. Never got a Broadway. Well, you worked on Broadway. Well, off Broadway, and then I sang with the National Opera Company for a couple seasons, and I did a lot of Broadway tours. But I never got a Broadway show, which led me to being really forlorn. And I thought I was washed up, and so I left New York when I was 29 because I thought I was ancient. <laughs> and now I look back on that, and I'm like, that was so stupid to think I was ancient at 29. <laughs> so oh. Okay. Well, hey, look, you know, let's dive into that a little bit. You had this dream as a young woman yes. to, to leave North Carolina, go to the big city, the Big Apple. I think there's a lot of stories like that. And you got up there and got to do it for what? Better part of a decade it sounds like. Well, I lived there for about four years, but for about three years before that, I would drive back and forth from Raleigh, North Carolina to New York City for voice lessons. I would drive like a Honda Civic hatchback wow. from Raleigh to New York. It was like 550 miles. I would stay in the cheapest hotel I could, and I would stay for like two nights and take three lessons and drive back. And finally, I decided to just take the leap, no pun intended, and move to New York. Work and I, I had an agent and I worked a lot, but I also didn't work a lot. So the way it works in the performing arts is it's helpful to live in New York City because that's where all the auditions are, but very few of the jobs are there. So when you go to a regional production of a tour, well, most all of those actors, singers, dancers auditioned in New York and were cast in New York, but then they might go live in Chicago for six months, or they may be on a national tour for a year. So, but yes, that was always my dream, but I also had another dream of being a mom, and so I really decided after doing that a while that it wouldn't be conducive to having children because there's so much travel and uncertainty. And so when I left it, 
New York at 29. I think I had this like little baby soul who wanted to come to me because <laughs> it didn't take too much longer for him to get here. So, Aww. yeah. Well, so going back and thinking about the mindset that you must have had as a young person, I mean, driving to New York from Raleigh on a regular basis to have coaching lessons and so forth. Yeah. I mean, I've known you now for, for many years. You are definitely a person that is not afraid. You're not afraid of risk. You're not afraid of taking the leap. It sounds like that was part of your DNA from early on. Well, I think according to my mother, I was always very stubborn and wanted to do things that nobody really thought I could do because I grew up in a small town in Western North Carolina where there was no opportunity. The biggest opportunity we had was to be in the church youth choir and the church youth group. And we used to put on these elaborate productions with costumes and makeup and lights. And that was really where I got the bug. You hear so many performers say that church is where it all started for them. And, and that was me too. Jessica uh, Simpson has a, a story like that, right? She started out as a Christian singer. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in high school, I was accepted to the North Carolina School of the Arts, but my parents were like, oh my gosh, that's so far away. It was an hour and a half. And so I really wasn't that confident and I really didn't grow up with very much confidence. It came much later, much later. I was always pretty timid and unsure of myself. But I would still try things, but I didn't really come into my own until probably my mid to late 30s. So it wasn't necessarily part of your DNA early on, just like you started taking baby steps. You got more and more courage, a little less fear. It's like, and then that's interesting to, to see how maybe that developed over time for you. Well, I think the fear is always there. And if it's not there may be a little bit of an issue. It may be called overconfidence or narcissism or whatever you want to call it, because I think having a little bit of a pit in your stomach when you're trying to make a big decision or take a risk is perfectly natural. It's just like getting really nervous before you go on stage whenever you've sung a role a hundred times, but you still have that little modicum of doubt mm -hmm. that gets the adrenaline going and kind of fuels you to say, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to push through. So I, you know, I don't think fear is always a bad thing unless you allow it to control you or just drive your every thought. Do you think it helps you uh, perform better when you have that? I absolutely do. Especially in my business now, whenever things are going great and you get a little complacent, it's easy to slack off a little bit and think, oh, I don't need to make all those new business calls or I don't need to do the things that I know yield success. Mm -hmm. And it's cumulative. You know, you have to keep doing these things even when you're in the good times because if you slack off and you don't and you have a downturn, then you have no funnel. So I think whenever I'm struggling with the business and I'm looking around thinking, okay, cash flow is not looking so good. We're not having a great quarter. And I get a little bit of fear then I'm on it. Like I'm on it. Like I'm just like, okay, I'm going to work however many hours it takes me to turn this around because the alternative is not so, not looking so fun. That's right. <laughs> I want to highlight that point real quick before we move on. There's a lot of things I want to chat with you about, but it's interesting. So making sure that we're not complacent in any aspect of our life is probably pretty important. And so you figure out ways in which if you feel that you're starting to get a little bit complacent to figure out a way to kind of break out of that, to kind of get that adrenaline rush of I got to do, and you've used that, it, it sounds like in your 
performing arts, but yes. not also quite extensively within business. I think so. I mean, I, I think it's perfectly natural. Sometimes I would like to be a little bit more even kill, mm-hmm. but that's not really my personality. So, you know, I do go through phases where I'm just like, I'm just tired. Like, I'm just tired and I'm not going to do all that. And I always end up regretting it later because really consistency is so important. Mm-hmm. to any business. And if you're not consistent, if you don't show up and be all in, it's hard to maintain a level of normalcy and not having peaks and valleys. So to be more even instead of having peaks and valleys, you have to be consistent. Well, having worked as a consultant, uh, as a, a side business for many years, I know one of the things that mentors of mine would say, that it sounds like that you've had some of the same type of mentorship, is you know, not only you working on delivering great work product for the companies or the people that you're consulting with. But you've also, if you're going to be a professional consultant, you're also working on constantly keeping that pipeline of business full, right? right. So you're also, you've, you've got to be filling that pipeline. I know entrepreneurs that are listening to this will be thinking about that. It's like, you've got to be constantly working on that pipeline, constantly developing leads and that's, and not getting into a state of complacency otherwise, because once it dries up, it's hard to kind of generate those leads. So it's very, it is. I mean, I keep a list in my office on a whiteboard of every lead I'm working Mm -hmm. um, and what the status is. Well, they have to get to a certain point before they go on the board. But the point that they go on the board is there has been some communication and some level of interest. So maybe it's a meeting coming up or a proposal due or proposal out or waiting to hear back. And then when when they come in the door or they don't, then I just mark them off. And so I can look up there and it's in front of me every day to see how full that board is. And when it starts getting a little sparse, I'm like, okay, (laughs) game game on. (laughs) I love it. So you spent some time, your early years in the performing arts in New York City. And so your parents thought it was a little bit crazy for you to be thinking about a college that was an hour away. And you ended up going driving, what, you just say five and a half hours up to New York City? Is that how long? 550 miles. 550 miles. It was more like a nine or 10 hour drive with the traffic and everything. So you yeah. took you took the leap, and at some point you said, or at age twenty nine, all right, I think I want to do something a little bit different. And you worked with so from age twenty nine to forty, you started working with well, other so agencies. I moved from New York to Atlanta, and I I thought I would just maybe stay for six months or a year. I wanted to get back to the South because I just felt like I needed a reset. So I moved to Atlanta, and the first week I was there, I got a call from the Atlanta Light Opera. And they said, we're looking for a Marcina and Kismet. That's a Broadway musical. And um, I can't find anybody. Would you want to audition? And I hung up the phone. I was like, this never happens in New York. <laughs> Nobody ever calls me and asks me to audition. So I did that role. I mean, it was the first week I was in Atlanta. And I thought, well, maybe I should move to a smaller city because I could work. And that was the last role I did because not long after that, I met the guy I married. He was from Tennessee. And I moved to Knoxville. And then I I had a baby and there just aren't that many singing jobs in Knoxville. So I figured um, now is a good time to reinvent myself. I had gotten a job with an advertising agency in Atlanta and that was really my first foray into agency life. And I learned a lot there and they let me, when I moved to Knoxville, they let me keep my job and work from remote. And I quickly realized that the way to 
move up in the company, get paid more, control my own destiny was to get into sales. And I always used to look around because I had a kind of like a sales partner. There were two of us who were business development for the whole Southeast. And we would come back and we would bring this business in and everybody would just like look like deer in headlights. Like, how are we supposed to get all this work done? And I remember thinking, look, if we're not out bringing in the business, you don't have a job. (laughs) And so that's when I learned a lot about selling and relationship building, because really selling is very relationship driven in the kind of business that we do, Mm -hmm. um, which is very high touch consultative. And so that's really where I learned that valuable skill. I don't think that I would be in business today if I hadn't learned the discipline of selling, because it is a discipline. And it's not for everybody, but you can learn. I want to talk a little bit about that, but I want to back up. You said something. You said you reinvented yourself. What was that like when you were going through that stage of reinvention? Because there's a lot of people that are doing that in this modern economy. Experts are saying that millennials are going to have to reinvent themselves multiple times in their career. No doubt. And so what, what advice would you give somebody who is finding themselves in that spot where they're needing to reinvent themselves, do something different that they've never done before? What did you learn? What was that process like? It was probably easier for me because I'd moved to a new city and I didn't really know that many people. So nobody had any preconceived notions of me where in my past, I was in a bucket that she's a singer. She's in in the performing arts. And I started really reading a lot. I would say that's the key. Really? Wow, this is awesome. Yeah, it's playing right into your whole New Way MBA thing, but it really is true. I remember the Vince Vitti, who was, we sold together and I moved here and I knew that this was going to be it. Like I was going to do something in marketing and PR. And I remember, you know, I'd go back to Atlanta and I remember him saying at one point, what happened to you? Like you got really smart. I just have been reading a lot of books and he's like, wow, like I can tell because I had new ideas. I had new vocabulary. I even worked on vocabulary. You know, I would like have a vocabulary word because one time when I was first starting out in sales, somebody asked me if the software was proprietary and I didn't know what proprietary meant. And I was probably like 31 years old and I was like, okay, all right. I know every term in music, but I need to know what proprietary means because I just got really embarrassed. <laughs> and that was Lowe's Home Improvement Warehouse. Really? Yep. And we ended up doing some business with them. But so self-taught. Totally self-taught. I didn't learn really anything in college. So I have a degree in communications. I cannot remember anything that I learned. There were lots of like flow charts about how communication works that helped me zero. Probably the most important thing I learned in college is just writing skills, how to write. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe somewhat how to think about problem solving, but totally self-taught. That is amazing. I'm still learning. I mean, every single day. I know you are. I love getting together with you because anytime that we talk, I learn something from you. I I think you're extremely talented. uh, One of the best and uh, most well-read individuals that I get to chat with. Well, thank you. It's the Blinkist app. Remember I told you about that app? You did, yes. It's like, it'll give you an overview of a book, so you don't have to read the whole book. It's kind of like cliff notes for business books mm-hmm. so 
Highly recommend that. That's amazing. So you you reinvented yourself. You're self-taught. You did a lot of reading and developed yourself into a world-class entrepreneur and business person. One of the things that I found interesting in that in your previous statement, you said to have more control over the maybe the I'm paraphrasing here, but of the direction and moving up in, in the ladder within the company. You wanted to get on the sales side. What did you see? Why did you see and recognize that understanding sales was so important and so powerful? Well, sales drives everything in business. And if you're a good salesperson, you can work anywhere. If you can learn what it is they sell. Okay, maybe there's some like highly technical, scientific, medical sales, but in general, a lot of that you can learn. I mean, you could learn to sell a software. I mean, you can learn to sell products. You could learn to sell services. So for me also, I really liked the fact that with sales, generally how much money you make is directly related to how much effort you put in and you have some control over that. Mm -hmm. So instead of going to a job where you're like, your salary is $40,000 a year, have fun. I could go to a job where they said, your salary is $30,000 a year, which that's how much I started out making it when I went to work for the agency in Atlanta. But your commission is this. And I remember the first year I made 45000 and the second year I made like 60000 And I was like, I couldn't do this if I just took the set salary. I would rather take the lower salary and bet on myself that I can make more in the long run. And then you kind of that kind of sticks. And it's hard to go back to another way of thinking about it. Once you taste the upside, there's no going back, right? Yeah. There's plenty of downside. I mean, I I have to admit, but I would rather take the chance of being able to work harder, Mm -hmm. put in a little bit more time and push for a different outcome than have somebody else control my future, make my decisions or decide that they're going to downsize and I'm going to be without a job. Now that really makes me scared. Yeah. (laughs) A lot more scared than getting out and doing it on my own. That's right. I trust myself more than I trust them. (laughs) That's that's a great quote. So somewhere around the age of 40, you had been working with agencies, uh, growing, learning, developing, and you've got this idea, I'm going to start my own firm. I'm going to go out and be in business for myself, do my own thing, be an entrepreneur. What was going on in your mind? What led you to take that leap? Well, it wasn't quite that well thought out. I had left the agency world and I was working in-house for a home shopping network. And it's a great brand. Yes. So, uh, well, it wasn't HSN. It was Jewelry Television, which only sells jewelry. And they're 24-7, 365. At the time, it was about a $500 million company. And I was their first director of public relations and corporate communications. They'd never had one before. And I learned so much there because we studied female consumer behavior. We did lots of research. We did lots of focus groups. We were we looked at data. I really was in even though my title was PR and communications, I was very involved in the marketing part of it too. So I was really fascinated by all that. The buyer's journey, you know, how she thinks, how she navigates the website, what makes her decide to buy? Why does she buy again? What does she expect from a customer service experiential factor? And so I worked there for a while and then my son was like six And I decided, you know, I could do this job as a contract employee if I could talk them into hiring me on a contract basis for less money 
And so eventually I talked them into giving that a try and I had one other client and that equaled my salary that I was making for a year and I had two one-year contracts. And so that's really how I started. I didn't think that it was going to be a full-blown business. I think I just thought I was going to be like a glorified freelancer, maybe with one helper. And so that's how it started. And everything I learned really along the way was by asking people, by having mentors, eventually hiring a business coach. And I had a lot of help in that regard. So, and then it just started growing organically. And that's how I got to where I am now. Fletcher PR. Yeah. So if people want to learn a little more about your business and see the work that you're doing and the clients that you've been able to serve, they can go to FletcherPR.com, right? It's FletcherMarketingPR.com. We added the marketing in about five years ago because what we do now is so integrated. You know, all of those communication strategies relate to marketing. And so when we can help a client integrate all that, that's when we have the most success. And public relations has changed a lot. I mean, the media has changed. There aren't nearly as many media outlets out there as there were. Social media is the new big great unknown media outlet. So we had to adapt. And I think that's another important thing is you have to be continually adapting and growing and thinking about your business in new ways so you don't become irrelevant. And with that, we thought this would be a great place to segment the episode and break it into two parts. This concludes part one of this podcast series with our special guest, Kelly Fletcher. We'll be back next week to hear part two, where we'll finish up this conversation with Kelly and hear more of her very insightful commentary. Additionally, if you would like to hear more from Kelly, we recorded some exclusive content that's going to be coming to our Bonvera New Way MBA program. And this is where Kelly will be talking a little deeper about leadership principles and leadership challenges that she's encountered, lessons that she's learned in the course of her career, and much, much more. This will be available to our New Way MBA subscribers in the coming months. So if you haven't already, we would highly encourage you to subscribe to our New Way MBA program today by talking with your local Bonvera entrepreneur to get set up. And tune in next time to hear the rest of this story with Kelly Fletcher. As always, I am your host, Bob Dickey, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with your host, Bob Dickey. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at www.takingtheleappodcast.com and bonvera.rocks. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Taking the Leap.